Welcome to Brother to Brother, a podcast that is part therapy, part tongue-in-cheek, and all real talk. Our first episode of 2018 is going to be our last episode of 2017, and we're going to do one final look back at the year that was 2017. Um, so we're back with part two. Hopefully you all listened to part one. And we're just going to discuss some of the, you know, some of the bigger stories, the political moments that happened throughout this year, some big moments in our personal life. But, you know, largely we're going to keep it to politics. We're also going to officially elect our first um, asshat of the year and hero of the year. So enough of the small talk. Uh, let's me introduce my brother and co-host. Reg, how you doing? I'm doing well and yourself. Well, you know, I'm doing really well. I cannot complain at all plus who would listen right am i right fellas am i right <laughs> uh yeah i get tired of hearing you complain <laughs> and, and then you start mentioning me in your tweets and then i have to respond and it's a thing yeah man all the street cat i'm getting you man uh, that's one way to look at it seriously though uh how are things in your personal life what's <sighs> well i'm preparing to move uh got a new place and all that so i, I finally like in a good place mentally and all that so that there's that i'm happy about that and then this week i'll be meeting um brent in louisville and we're gonna go see the room it's kind of become a bit of a big deal like they're i think chris and susan are gonna be there and maybe josh might be there i don't know some other people but it's turned out to be kind of a big thing and i'm kind of looking forward to that so that's awesome i can't believe you guys are actually doing that i'm kind of jealous um i wonder if they're showing anywhere near me i'm sure they are it's a fathom events thing showing it all over the country well that's pretty sweet um well crazy stuff going on in my life uh being up north we just survived the crazy ass cyclone or bomb blizzard whatever they call that fucking storm uh and i gotta say we did get a lot about two feet just in our yard a lot of it from uh snow drift but mm-hmm. we survived got a snow day becky got two of them uh and you know this week we'll be going back to work as usual How, how's your um i've wondered about how's your like uh because your driveway is kind of, you know, on a hill. How does that work out? It can be difficult. That's how that works out. Um, <laughs> Did you have to park on a street or anything like that? No. So with the SUV, we're, you know, it's it's real easy. Because mm-hmm. we just, you know, it can power through just about anything. So what we did was I backed the, I didn't back in. I put my wife's car, which is a sedan, at the bottom. Uh, the SUV in front of it. And then we shoveled and snow snow blowed around everything else. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it was it's just one of those things where like the snow is heavy. It's a lot of it. It's snowing over like eight to twelve hours. So you're either going out a bunch or you're going out once or twice and doing real heavy, uh, you know, digging. But luckily, uh, I got two snow blowers, two electric snow blowers. One worked a little bit better than the other one. But having that machine made all the difference. I can't imagine if I had to shovel all that snow, but... Well, that's good. Yeah, it's not too shabby. Another thing I am looking forward to tonight and all day tomorrow, since I don't care who's in the playoffs because my team's not, I'm going to be watching a bunch of Netflix stuff, and I found a few things that my wife and I are both interested in looking at. Obviously, I need to watch the new season of Black Mirror. I haven't God, watched yes, any of those. God, yes, you do. But I've been, I've been holding off to wait to watch those. Um... I'm going to watch, so I'm going to watch those tonight. Uh, I'm probably going to stay off the computer and, and focus on that. Um, 
but I also am looking forward to watching Bright because I know the critics hate it and I, it's like kind of popular to hate it right now. But everyone I know who I, I respect sort of for their movie um, like opinions and such, they all like it. You know, not all of them love it, but most of them enjoyed it. And I think that is um, something I'm looking forward to. And I know they're already. It does include you. I do respect your opinion. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I mean, it has its problems. And and Max Landis, uh, the guy who uh, wrote it, uh, is not going to be there for the second one. So I'm kind of. I feel better not watching it. You know? I mean, not. I'm sorry. I feel better liking it. Now that he's not going to be there for the second. <laughs> yeah, I, I get that. Because there are some times when you have a director, Michael Bay, um, where you're just like, man, if someone else could just get their hands on this, they could make a decent film. Speaking of Michael Bay, aren't they making a new Transformers not including Michael Bay? Yeah, it's a Bumblebee. It's like a prequel. It's a Bumblebee movie with him in the 80s or something like that. And he's actually going to be a uh, Volkswagen uh, Beetle, which is interesting. Oh, interesting. Huh. Well, um, yeah. So I'm looking forward to uh, to indulging in some Netflix. Yeah, there's a lot out there on Netflix too. So you, you... yeah, I, I have tons to watch. Tons to me. watch, right? Enough of the chit chat. Let's get into our main topic. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the main event. Which again is just a quick review of 2017 but a different style of it you know we're going to look at some of the political and social moments of the year uh and let's just get right into it reds what are some of the big political moments from 2017 that you'll always remember oh shoot man there's so many um but like politically speaking i think 2017 will be remembered kind of a in in um in my mind at least in two ways like the the Trump wins and then the Trump losses, and basically it's going to be like it, I, I'll remember it as you know all the things that went wrong, but then at the same time all the things that uh, you know began. Like you think about all the people who you know jumping into the politics because of of what happened in 2016, uh, people starting the quote unquote resistance and whatnot. I think that all is is what I'll remember 2017 as like a politically um, hopeful year. Uh, whether or not we actually do anything with it, who knows? Who knows? We'll, we'll find out in 2018. That's interesting. Um, I gotta think about the political, the big political stories of 2017. Um, I've mentioned this before on this podcast. On in my humble opinion. It just felt like the darkest year of my life, so I feel like that's what I'm going to remember it most for. There were a lot of shining moments. Uh, you know, the women's march was huge. Uh, the the way people came out um, against these alt-right marches that were disguised as freedom, you know, freedom of speech marches. Those were some bright spots, but they're just overshadowed by a mountain of, like, the end of dismantling of DACA and the way that, you know, ICE has been just aggressively going after people, getting kids at their school, getting kids while they're getting treatment for cancer, like all these crazy things that seemed unfathomable, you know, just two years ago in the, at, towards the end of the Obama administration. I feel like it's easy to, to look at this year and think that, like, you know, really Trump, it, it, this was the year of Trump for, for bad and for worse and for good, depending upon how you look at it. 
Um, you know, he suffered some losses. You saw a lot of Democrats win in special elections in areas that they had never won before. But in the same token, you know, he also had some wins where he did eventually get the Muslim ban passed. He did get um, Gorsh uh, in in the Supreme Court, and he is filling um, some lifetime uh, court uh, seats with, you know, his type of people. I don't know. When you weigh the scales, it's just like some of the darkest times for me. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I definitely agree to, you know, to a certain extent. Um, Gorsuch and, and whatnot, I mean, that was – and what was going on with um, – the judicial nominations. I mean, he's had more judicial nominations than any president in history at this time in, in office, rather. Um, but I think it's also important to point out, like, that stuff is going to affect us for, you know, years to come for, hell, probably generations, you know, because a lot of these appointments are lifetime appointments. Um, but at the same, t- same token, I think there's also, the, I think it should also be pointed out that what he has done can be undone. The next president could come along and, and just as he did, undo everything that he's done so far. Um, it, and I know that's bleak to to have to look that far into the future or whatnot. And a lot of people probably don't want to do all that. But I think I just think that that's important to to mention and point out. I I don't know, man. That's that's like looking at an empty glass and saying it's not empty. It's it's ripe for opportunity. Like, that's a nice way to look at things, but like you said, what he did has potential generational effects. It's not like the next president can come in and be like, hey, I want you out. I mean, he can do that for some of them. What's he going to do, remove 50 judges? It's so hard to look at this year and look for the shining light. You're basically looking for the ray of hope in the shitstorm. And that's the best that you get out of 2017 politically, I think. But those aren't the only stories of 2017, though. Um, what are some of the other, you know, they may be politically related, but not necessarily political stories. What are some of the, your big moments of 2017? Well, I mean, I just want to kind of leave the political thing on a bit of a of a happier note. And, and I know that um, you're not as optimistic as I am, but I, I, I was saying that I believe that you know, it is a bit of a long game. It's a marathon, and um, we tended towards to, to turn towards a more progressive and and more equal place in the universe. Uh, and and I've heard a lot of people quote Martin Luther King, who said something very similar. I wanted to just uh, quote him as well, and he said, "Let us realize the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice." And, and like that's how I, I I feel like I there's a lot of bad things that happened this year especially for people of color um, if you're I gotta mm-hmm. you know God help you if you're an immigrant these days um, especially like Muslims or um, uh, undocumented citizens whether it's DACA or not it, it, it really you know it doesn't matter when you have people like ice picking folks up at the hospital you know or in the middle of courtrooms and stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure it's, it seems like it's coming from a place of privilege to say that things are bad, but they're going to get better. But, you know, as a person of color, things have always, and I'm I'm not going to say they've always been bad for us, but I mean, historically speaking, there's never been like a, a time where we're just like, we finally made it, you know? So that's why I'm saying it's slow going, but we're going to get there. And 
that's what we saw with like the resistance and, and the rise of that and, and I, I hope that it pushes forward in 2018 so i just wanted to to end with a kind of a historical look at things like a, a long view of history yeah so uh 200 years from now no black children probably won't be getting shot in the street no i'm saying Wait, hold, hold on hold on four generations from now it's coming <laughs> Anyway, but um, since we're talking about, I think my question for you is what's like, if we had to cut it down to three big stories of the political stories of the year, what would they have been for you? Um, I would say one would be Trump and Russia. Uh, and I, cause in that, that wraps up, uh, you have some Sally Yates in there mm-hmm. with the Flynn and the Manafort. You have Comey, then him getting fired. Well, not even that, really. You think about it. I forgot how big this and how long this shit's been going on. So you have Yates and Flynn. Then you have uh, Flynn having to come back and and, and amend his statement. You have uh, Sessions having to recuse himself. You have Comey then getting fired after an uncomfortable, potentially illegal conversation by, with Trump. Then you have Mueller coming in. And everything that's come with that entire investigation. I feel like that, for me as a political junkie, was the biggest story for me this year, at least politically. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. Um, I think the fact that Obamacare is still around is, is another big story. It, it, I think that one just points to... That's, you know, we talk about uh, stories that, that encapsulate a lot of things. That points to the incompetence of the GOP incompetence of trump um and and it points to how i think for a lot of people it went to show you that obamacare and and the republican opposition and even their voters opposition to obamacare had nothing to do with the plan itself it had to do with whose name was attached to it because the minute they actually tried to come for obamacare all of a sudden people who hated it loved it you know um you just look at like the fact that They've had so many, I mean, not exactly record number um, signups this year, but definitely more than they expected considering Trump did all everything he could to try and, uh, you know, de- deregulate, I mean, defund it. You know, uh, he tried to, um, he shortened the time so people weren't, didn't know to sign up, things like that. Yeah, I, I would wrap that up in, um, I guess, my number two story, Trump losses. You have the Muslim ban that kept getting knocked down. You have the Obamacare that he just couldn't revoke. Um, even with him getting rid of the individual mandate, you know, the Obamacare still exists. Um, you know, he, he took a lot of losses. He looked pretty stupid most of the year. It got to the point where they had to pass that terrible tax plan mm-hmm. just for the Congress to have the win and for him to be able to finally puff his shirt out, his chest out. I think it's so funny how big and bold he was when the house passed it when they had that big um basically you know uh parade and at the white house and and then all of a sudden he couldn't get shit through the through the senate Senate. yeah and it's just like you said it like you said it speaks to the incompetence of the gop and really the trump administration another part of trump losses all the dudes who couldn't stick inside of his administration because of their own incompetence Good lord, yeah, he had so much turnover. It's crazy how much turnover he had. It's crazy because you're just like, I've never seen, and again, we've been, 
I'm what I'm 34 in my 34 years, and obviously I wasn't following politics all 34 years of them. But since I've been watching politics, I've never seen so many people leave in under a year. You, how many press secretaries? Like, right? You know, press secretaries, uh, communication officers. Um, the Secretary of State got jumped out. Secretary of State had to leave. Right, under because a year. you know, like in a normal administration, the fact that your Secretary of State had to leave within. A couple of months would be the story of the year, but this administration is so jacked up, and this year has been so jacked up that you know that's like a flash in the pan. You know, that's just a, a side story. Yeah, it's 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 pretty crazy. Um, do you have like a third big political moment or or story? Because I feel like for me, the third one would just be the resistance, because uh, that sort of encompasses the women's march, the um. The response to Charlottesville, which I'm sure we'll get into, mm-hmm. and, you know, these alt-right, the, you know, the growth of the alt-right, as well as, I think, um, the Me Too movement. You know, this idea of people sort of pushing back against all those social norms that everyone knew existed. The abusive person in power, whether usually a man, um, the pushback against, you know, these people who are like global warming doesn't exist, you know, despite the evidence and, you know, the real life evidence as well as the scientific evidence. I feel like this year is the year where people are like, enough is enough. If we allow the loudest people to dictate, we're going to end up exactly where we are, but worse. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's a good one, too. But I, I think I would also put in how to put this. I think there's a certain... uh inability in our country to talk about race and i think you saw that a lot in this year um people who were were dancing all around issues i don't know what you want to call it maybe the cowardice among um the media like i think that would be a big story even Uh, though it's a story that nobody's really talking about like i mean i'm gonna have to blackball that one because in truth what did they do through all eight years of the obama administration you know, like it's okay. not as if we had this big discussion on race during Obama's years. It just because you had stuff like um, that asshole from South Carolina in the Senate who called him a liar in the middle of his right. his whatchamacallit. No one even wanted to approach the fact that that was like racially related. Oh, he was just really angry. No, nah, it's a racist piece of shit from South Carolina. What do you expect him to do? Just an old white dude who thinks that he can talk to black people however he chooses. Like. But no one wants to talk about those things. So it's not, for me, no different than any other year. Okay. Okay, I guess I can see where you're coming from. But the only thing I would say is that I think that the fact that we can't, I don't know, we're still at a place where people were, like, trying to figure out, like, all the problems. They're like, why did rural voters vote for so-and-so? And And why did this and this and that? You know, I think that the inability to talk about those things is kind of a story in of itself. I agree, but I don't think it's a story of 2017. I think it's a story of America. Like, it's kind of the same way where it's like, when's the last time you heard a negative story about Israel on the news? You know? There Mm -hmm. There are just some things in American society that despite the fact that everyone knows that these things are bad or that the bad things are happening or bad things happened, forget the things that are still happening, that bad things happened. Everyone knows that minorities, blacks, Hispanics, and even for some parts of Asians who get, who get arrested serve longer times than people, than whites who do the same crimes at the same levels. 
with same histories, you know, like yeah. first and second offense, education-wise. Everyone knows this. That's not a secret. No one talks about it, except for the people who are trying to fight it personally. Outside of that, no one talks about it. But people know. People know that minorities get stopped more often, but no one talks about it. Because no one wants to talk about the uncomfortable things in America. They just want to... We are very much a ostrich society where we would rather bury our heads in the sand than... And when I say we, I mean majorly white people. Let's be honest. Hot take. <laughs> black people know that we get stopped more often. And I always have white friends who say, well, I get stopped by the police too. And that's like their defensive way of not having to say the rest of that sentence, which is, I get stopped by the police too, but I don't fear for my life. Like, and it allows them to not have to touch that subject. That really is what American society is like. We just, until the people who benefit the most from it are willing to fight back against it or speak up about it or call out their family and their coworkers, their other white counterparts about it, then, you know, none of this is really going to change. And that's kind of the reason why I'm so negative about American society. Like, there's no reason for me to think that when I'm 60, I won't be seeing the same shit. Oh, okay. Well, I mean... I, I doubt we'll be podcasting when we're 60, but I would take a bet that we're not going to see this shit. I mean, but... Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I would take that, that bet all day. All day. I, well, my thing is, what is your margin for change? Like, and, and not to get on this tangent away from... Yeah, I know, because we, we need to move on. But, you know, it's, well, you know what? We'll put a pin in this. This will be a story. We're going to have a whole discussion on this topic. Um, but let's talk about some of the other big moments in 2017 that weren't necessarily political moments. Um, specifically, let's start with Charlottesville. In early August, um, one of the biggest stories that happened in 2017 uh, occurred when, uh, first on a Friday night, uh, a group of alt-right neo-Nazi racist assholes, we'll call them, um, basically walked through uh, one of the big parts in Charlottesville um, to surround the statue of Robert E. Lee with a shitload of tiki torches. Um, but on the way to the park, they marched through the, the center of Charlottesville um, shouting things like, Jews will never replace us, you will never replace us, blood and soil, which is, um, if you don't know, was something that the Nazis preached, something that the Nazis drilled into their SS and into their stormtroopers, the whole idea that blood and soil are sacred and they're willing to give their life for either playing literally out of the nazi playbook the next day uh just groups and groups of alt-right flooded into the area most of them carrying handheld weapons and batons some carrying guns uh were met by counter-protesters of people from charlottesville as well as those um from the surrounding areas and that led to just a day of violence uh violent clashes including um, an incident which would lead in the death of one person and the injuries of many more when a neo-Nazi piece of shit drove his vehicle through a crowd of, pro of protesters um, claiming the life of one woman. Heather Hare. And, yeah, that was just one of the big stories of this year that led to, you know, obviously there were freedom marches, our attempted freedom marches in other cities, which were either shut down by the cities themselves are shut down by the um, populace who were there. Um, Boston had one. 
that was shut down, there were about, I want to say it was like 50 people who actually ended up showing up versus, you know, almost 20 to 30,000 counter protesters. And as good as those things are, it is kind of scary to realize that not only are neo-Nazis back, not that they went away, but that they're back in a much greater force and they are no longer afraid of being in the shadows. Like, in your face now, they are all over the internet. But they are getting punched in the face, so that's pretty Yeah, cool. I mean, yeah, silver linings. God, yeah. man, just anytime I, I, I need, I feel real bad, down, you know, I, I look at that Richard Spencer thing, and I'm like, yeah, all's right in the world. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing like seeing a Nazi get punched, but it's also scary to think... You know, fucking Nazis are marching in the street. Like, neo-Nazis are marching in the street. Um, but, it, again, they are not at the levels that they were, like, in the 30s and 40s, as far as, you know, white supremacists go. Uh, it's nice that people aren't being lynched and uh, crosses aren't being burned in people's yards. But, you know, these people are in business. These people are in law enforcement. Uh, the good thing is that these people are being exposed. Yeah. Um I, 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 man, that whole thing was like uh, surreal because it was just not just the fact that you know it happened, but that we're like in a time when our president can't just be like, yeah, that's those people are are horrible people and and all that, you know. Uh, he had to come around to that like four times or so, well, too many times, you know. Um, and then it's just it, it's kind of mind-boggling that. I don't know. It's just mind-boggling that we're there again. I don't know. It's just, it's real frustrating. Not only frustrating, it's just like, and you speak to it, this again, the ineptitude of Trump. No, you, the, that's the thing. It's not a slam dunk. It's not even ineptitude. No, it is an ineptitude, because here's the thing. Even the stupidest politician, and this is the thing about him not being a politician, even the stupidest of politician, unless you're David Duke, Goes out there and being like, they're a good guy on each side. There is literally no other politician in Washington who would have said that. And there's some piece of shit racist in Washington. Stephen but, King out of Iowa, that piece of shit racist would not have said that. But, but I mean, that's why I'm saying it's not inept because he, he knows that – because we're in a, in, in a period in time when that doesn't even matter, you know, where, where you can be a racist and it's okay and people – won't call you out on it. I agree with that, but I don't think that's the reason why he said that. Like, he literally didn't have... That's the reason why he kept going back out, having to be, go back out there and talk about it. He didn't understand why people were getting upset. Like, he legitimately... And he even said in interviews, he's like, I don't understand why people are getting mad at me. All I said was that not everyone on either side were bad people. And they're like, Trump... Those people were Nazis. They had swastikas. They killed people. You can't say any of them were good. He like that is his. I don't know if it's an ineptitude, uh, learning disability, uh, psychosis. I don't know what the fuck it is. But like that's the thing for me. It just kills me and just guys. It's so fucking embarrassing. It is I mean, so that, that's the thing. I, I don't. I don't understand why. I guess I don't understand why you. You, I don't know. You're calling it ineptitude. It's not ineptitude. He's just he's a racist, and he's just showing his true colors. Rich, I get that, but even other, I mean, listen, Jeff Jeff Sessions is a racist. Jeff Sessions would never make that fucking statement because he understands politics. If I say this, there's a political punishment for it. 
But there wasn't one, though. Oh, there no, there's not one now, but there's one coming. There have been effects of it coming. There are like, you know, he has lost a lot of support that he that he did have in the Jewish community because of these things, and that they will it has shown and will continue to show going forward. My do you, point do you is, think that the Jewish community is going to come? I mean, do, one, do you think that they were ever a fan of him to begin with? And two, he got tons of donations from 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 yeah, Jewish. but. People. The fact that he went and made um, Jerusalem the official capital and is going to recognize you. You don't think that they're they're will they'll be willing to for to forgive and forget some of that stuff. I mean, the fact that Ivanka and Jared stayed with him after what he said is fucking ridiculous. Oh, no, it's not. I mean, that's family. That's different, man. People stick with family all the damn time. That's not. That's nothing. I think new. it's different when you are a Jewish person. I, I just I have to believe that it's got to be different. I think as a Jewish person, you have to have some sort of res- self-respect for yourself and for your people and what have happened to yourself that you would say that that's the line that I have to draw. When you crave money and power, I suppose. And what and what Kushner and Ivanka want more than anything, money and power. They're not walking away from that insulting because if they insult him and walk away from that, they get cut out of everything, and they know that. That would be the punishment for them speaking up against Trump, losing all that future money. No one's walking away from that when all you crave, number one is power, number two is money, flip-flop, depending upon the day. But when he made those comments, tons of people who were on his spiritual council, tons of Jewish rabbis on his spiritual council, some of them who were donors who were working on his, on his who were part of the economic council that collapsed after that, like, he he took a political uh, he took political damage from it, not from his base who loves him that forty percent, but that you know that's you can't dam you can't take damage from those people because those people worship him. But the other people, that other sixty percent that made up his total vote, he has lost a lot of those segments, and one of those key segments were were a lot of the um, of that Jewish population that that supported him. But like. They can't look past the fact that there have been more anti-Semitic hate crimes and incidents this year than there have been in the last, like, seven years. Like, they, I don't think the fact that they're getting Jerusalem as the capital or them, us moving our embassy there, that really doesn't help us, I, I guess, not only us moving our embassy there, us recognizing it as a capital, that doesn't make up for what's happening in their own communities. I guess 2018, and, and, and that's the thing about this year, um... I feel like this year is kind of like, um, uh, doggone, um, <laughs> Recursive? no, 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 um, Star Wars, uh, The Force Awakens. One of the things that people were like, were like, well, you know, I mean, the debate was, well, let's wait till last Jedi, till the next one comes out before we, you know, shit on this movie or whatnot and things like that. I kind of feel like that's how this year has gone, that people are just like, well, we got to wait and see. To find out, you know, next year to see exactly how good or bad this year was actually, you know. I feel like all the big moments in this year were just all dark and spot. I remember at the beginning of the year there were a lot of police acquittals, and I thought that was going to be a big story. And now that I look at it, like that wouldn't even make my top twenty-five as far as like big moments in the United States, uh, in the U.S. Disaster, disaster, disaster. Wildfires, hurricanes, earthquakes. Oh my! There have been so many disasters this year. Uh, you have huge droughts in the Pacific Northwest. You have fires in California, Oregon, Washington, Montana, Idaho, 
you had what three category five hurricanes that basically just flew through the uh, Caribbean into Houston, yeah. Florida, BCM, Florida, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, the Bahamas, uh, Mexico again. Mexico had that earthquake. Um, there were just so much darkness this year. But out of those stories came a lot of good stories. You know, obviously the the way people in Houston um, banded together to uh, help the people who, you know, getting them out of their homes. Uh, the, obviously, there were some horror stories like the rest, uh, the rest home where basically the people were stuck in water for like a day and a half. Mm-hmm. But I mean, terrible the fact that that facility didn't get those people out before the flooding. But good on the staff that did stay with those people and the staff that went to get help. You know, the the smallest silver lining of that shit rainbow. But you know, even with this uh, blizzard that just happened here in uh, Boston, the seaport down in uh, in the in the eastern part of Boston flooded. Uh, there was basically a foot and a half of water down in Boston city streets. People were kayaking basically all along Cape Ann. It's it's crazy the way that the environment is now beginning to influence the way we live, and this is only the beginning. Yeah, I know, because, I mean, when you look at things in the future, um, you know, I think this is something we talked about on In My Humble Opinion, but it bears repeating. The We may have come to a point where we are all having to decide whether or not to actually rebuild, you know, um, because we can handle three storms or maybe we can't, who knows, you know, I mean, I guess, honestly, it kind of remains to be seen on whether or not we could actually weather three really big storms that hit the mainland in, in a year. Um, and what happens, you know, next year or, or the year after, if this continues to be a trend. Yeah, that's just that, that's why I think again is kind of scary because storm surge is going to get worse and worse as the sea levels rise higher and higher. Um, people aren't thinking about it now, but I live in Gloucester in Massachusetts. We're right near the beach, and where I'm at, it's not an issue. I'm far enough away from the water and elevated enough away from the water. But what happens in 30 years if the water levels rise a foot? You know. There are a lot of places that are going to be underwater. There are a lot of cities that are going to be underwater. You don't need a Category 5 hurricane or a big nor'easter to cause a lot of damage. All you need is a big enough rainstorm and a big enough storm surge into a populated area to de- to really do a lot of damage. Superstorm Sandy proved that, you know. It was a devastating storm because of how much water and how the tides came in. It wasn't really necessarily devastating because it knocked down buildings. Like, that's something that we as a society in America and a species in general are going to have to deal with. What we have done to the environment and what it's going to do to us. And the sad thing is we've got a whole party that's basically telling us that the environment isn't a problem, that you know nothing is going on there. So it's like, it's a problem that... I, I don't know how we fix it anytime soon. Being not being the optimist, I'm going to take an actually take an optimistic approach on this. Um, you, when they talk to people in Houston and in Tennessee and in Louisiana and in Mississippi and Alabama during these storms, um, there were a lot of people who were like, "Listen, I used to be a person who didn't believe in climate change. I still don't really understand it, but I have seen what it has done to my neighborhood, what's done to my livelihood." And I'm not going to sit idle. 
So it'll be real interesting to see how many um, senators in the future, especially in places that have been hit by environmental disaster, are able to pull the climate change as the farce line. Yeah. Um, but last but not least, one of the big and just sad stories of um, 2017, again, uh, the Vegas shooting and really just mass shootings in general. Yeah, I mean, this year has seen some... I, I... I think this year's seen more of a body count, but I don't know if it's necessarily seen more mass shootings, at least. Maybe it was just they got lost in the shuffle, considering all the other things that were happening, you know, with Trump having a, a, a Twitter fight with everybody every now and again. So it, it could be that we just didn't notice them as much, except for the really big ones. But, I mean, we even had, like, a couple of terrorist attacks, which is kind of interesting to deal with, consider just... Just because, you know, I mean, they've been happening in, in London, in Paris, uh, there's, you know, those attacks, and then you always wonder, like, are if, there's nothing about America that would prevent that from happening here, and it's kind of interesting that it never happened here, and then, like, I, I don't know, maybe we're starting to see a trend, or, or it could just be that, you know, these guys are, I mean, these guys, for the most part, are idiots, so... Yeah, and also, like, I just feel like the ones in Europe are a little more dedicated. And maybe it's because they're closer and because of the way Europe works, they're able to travel to, you know, obviously Yemen has been one of the big places, um, Saudi Arabia. Um, but, like, you know, it's it's hard to, to, you know, just fly to Yemen from the United States. you got to go all the way to Europe, to London or France, and then from France to another place. You know, you got to make, like, three or four flights, so that's easy. Maybe it's because it's easier to track, but, like... There's nothing in America that prevents them from getting here. I mean, a lot of... Some of these people who, you know, were committing these terrorist attacks had been living in these countries for years, you know? Oh, no, no, Some of them... A lot of them were, you know, some of them were even native-born Well, that's the thing. The majority of the ones who have been in the last few years who have been attacking in Europe are all native born. They may have been um, radicalized and then, you know, went in their training and then came back. But for the most part, um, terrorists are native born citizens. And that, I mean, that's true in the United States. That's true of um, uh, even, you know, non uh, radicalized terrorists like the, uh, that asshole in, what well, I think it was Iceland who like shot up the, uh, who bombed the, no, it was Oslo. He bombed the the town center mm-hmm. and then went to that camp and shot a bunch of the kids. Like even that guy, a domestic terrorist, you know, he he's not someone who was who came from another place to terrorize that. But it's like like you said, considering what the Vegas shooter was able to do, it's kind of s- strange that we don't have more terrorist attacks that we than we do. I mean, cuz guns are easy to get. Obviously, depending upon what state you're in, it can be um, more difficult. But like, you go to Virginia, you go to some of these straw places where they can. Yeah, just, I know, mean, if you go to a, uh, a gun show, like there are there are really easy ways to get guns. That's kind of the problem when it comes with you know the mass shootings that we do have in America, especially the ones where you know they're they're um, young adolescents or young adults who you know still a parent's gun. But it's strange that it doesn't happen. The terrorists aren't doing it. Right, and I mean, on top of it, you have the fact that we're not doing anything to prevent them from happening, you know? I mean, whenever there's a uh, a mass shooting, we're like, well, we got to talk about all these other things that aren't, that won't help, you know? 
well, mm-hmm. we got to talk about mental health issues. We got to talk about this and that. And it's like, well, none of that's going to help the fact anything, really. So I don't know. It's, it's like it, it seems like it's low hanging fruit. And I don't know. I, I would think that the reason we haven't seen a lot of these terrorist attacks is because like I've always believed this. I've always believed that the reason we haven't seen a lot of terrorist attacks is because they're just not trying. Like, I firmly believe that. I, well, I, it has to be that, because, I mean, if you were really dedicated and wanted to, you could get here, you could find someone who would buy a gun for you, or you could buy a hot gun off of somebody. I've seen Drugs, Inc. I've seen um, Gangland on Spike TV. <laughs> you can get someone who can get you a hot gun. Right. Like, you might not be able to, you know, build a bomb uh, the way Timothy McVeigh did because of the way that they track, you know, the purchasing of the items that make those, but you can, you can, you can make uh, small bombs, but like it's again, it's just maybe they're not trying, you know, or maybe they don't want to. It's you know, just let us kill ourselves the way we have been, or maybe we were just as effective as we were led to believe we were, in getting rid of uh, the Taliban and, and those people. That could also be it. I mean, that makes a lot of sense because think about how like ISIS is now. Like a lot of the fact, a lot of ISIS success was the fact that the Iraqi army never turned around and actually fought them. Because you know, once they did, you know, ISIS began to collapse almost immediately. Right. I don't know. Food for thought, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that's it. So I guess that was kind of that's pretty dark. You know, there were a lot of dark moments in 2017, but. Having the Optimus Reggie here, not everything was bad. There were some bright moments, and a there lot were of them a happened. a lot of bright moments. A lot of them happened in our own personal life. So why don't we start with some of our bright spots in our personal life, and then um, let's expand that to our country and the world and talk about some of the good that happened. Yeah, so personally for me, um, last year was a great year for travel. I, I went a lot of places. Um and you know we went a lot of those places with you like uh, the bahamas uh cincinnati of course uh for Oct- uh, october festa um then i i was lucky enough to be able to get the whole week of thanksgiving off and, and visit you and uh and uh your wife uh and like that was like one of the highlights of my year so like when, when people say that uh, when you're painting last year or 2017 as like a dark year i really yeah there are parts of it that were dark but i think that um you know like i said 2018 i think is going to be a year where we look back at 2017 and 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 2018 is going to change the way that we look back at 2017 because you know i mean if this whole resistance movement goes nowhere well then yeah this really was a horrible year it just means that nothing's going to change, but I really don't think that's a pro- that's going to be the case. I think at the end of 2018, we're going to be oh, we're going to look back differently on 2017, kind of like how Trump made Bush look better. 2018 is going to make 2017 look better. Actually, that's a horrible analogy because 2018. I was going to say because Bush is still bad. Let's... <laughs> <laughs> that's a horrible analogy. <laughs> I rest my case. Um, no, uh, I, I agree with you in some sense. Uh, 2017 was a for I still think it's the darkest year of my life um, as far as what happened to society and the effects it will have on the future of society. But personally, got to agree with Reg, it was a pretty good year. Um, I did have some shitty shit happen. Someone threw a rock through my car and stole my camera. 
had some car issues. But outside of that, I went to the Bahamas. I got to see a shark in its natural habitats. Man, we swam through schools of fishes. We swam through schools of fish. We we saw giant fishes. Uh, fishes. We saw giant no, starfish. No, no, hold on. Fishes because multiple schools of fish would be fishes. Ah, that's a grandma thing. You're grandma. Welcome. You're welcome. I'll take. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, so you know, we got to have any year that I end up on an island in the Caribbean with cold drinks and good friends is a good year for me. Um, I got to see a bunch of concerts, which I highlighted in the last episode, and I got to see Ritz three times this year. I know, usually it's like once a year or something. Yeah, but I got to see you for a week in the Bahamas. Uh, for like four days in August, and then for an entire week during Thanksgiving, which was awesome. Um, it was great gaming, watching The Punisher, all that jazz. So, um, yeah, it was a pretty, it was a pretty good year. And some other good things that happened: uh, the creation of this podcast. Right. Uh, you know, like that. This has been something that I have. I look forward to recording this. I don't look forward to editing it. <laughs> but I enjoy the experience, and this podcast has been great for me. But it also has introduced me to other podcasts, you know, by when I've been looking through ideas. And so, yeah, you know, it's 2017 wasn't all bad. And so, let's expand that into the greater world, United States, however you want to look at that. So, what are some of your favorite positive stories of 2017 outside of your personal life? Um, shoot. I mean, like you said, there's the whole Me Too movement. I think that was a really big deal. Um, positive. Uh, like I said, you know, I've I mentioned this before. I'm finally in a place where, like, things are really kind of looking up for me. So, like, I'm happy with that. Um, and like I said, I, I'm, I'm actually hopeful and positive about the future moving forward uh, into 2018. 2018 with with everything really yeah i, I will I, I have some some specific positive stories um i will say that i've really enjoyed the way um we've even though we haven't really had a big discussion i love the fact that we are actually discussing some of the difficult um things we need to talk about like you and i have talked about white supremacy about white privilege for a while I feel like this year has been the most I've heard other people talk about it, even if it was to try and fight back or uh, against the argument or the concept of yeah, it. Yeah. Uh-huh. The fact that they're talking about it and the fact that they're having to research, you know, what other people think it is to to push back against that argument, even that I think is a victory. You know, it's less of of someone saying, "Oh, that's white privilege." Oh, you're playing the race card. That used to be like the end of the conversation. Now you have women, you have people of color, you have LGBTQ, and they're using the other privilege that people have um, that, and the way it affects them to sort of everyone talk about privilege in general. And I think that is a healthy thing for society. Um, I think the fact that a lot of people are just coming to the reality that, you know, people in my family, maybe people I work with, maybe people I live around are fucking racist and I'm not going to deal with it anymore you know i see a lot of people giving up on friends who are racist apologists who are alt-righty 
or who are status quo warriors. Yeah, I mean, I I had that happen this year. It was like just dealing with uh, someone who I thought was a friend, and it's just like, how can you just be so? I don't know. It's just, it's it's frustrating to 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 be like to, to live in a. I'm I'm not saying that it's all bad. And I keep coming back to that because I think it's important to say it is not all bad. But to to have friends or people that that you know you care about that just can't seem to see how it may be good for them doesn't mean it's good for everybody, you know. Uh, also, along those same lines, people who just can't even acknowledge the experience that you live on right. a, on a daily basis. Yeah. You know the idea that it's like. Yeah, I get pulled over more often, or I might not get hired if my name wasn't so anglicized, you know? Yeah. And they're like, no, that's not it. Or these people in this urban area, this ghetto, are there because they didn't work hard enough. And it's like, how can you be so blind to... How can you... I don't even get into it. But I see a lot of people who are calling their family out or calling other individuals out, Um you know, I've seen more this year being out in public and having seeing something fucked up happen and having a person who is normally shielded by privilege using their privilege to call somebody out. And not just, you know, the ones that have gone viral where someone's, you know, some racist person's like, oh, you need to speak English in this, yeah. in this town. Mm-hmm. You know, like you see people who are, you know, doing it every day who are fighting back against that privilege, you know, um, the lawyer who who sees a guy being housed by the police who's like, listen, I'm a lawyer and you can't you can't do this to this person. You know, I don't know this person. They're black, I'm white, they're Asian, I'm Hispanic. It doesn't matter. You know, I'm a person. I'm going to defend them because I know, you know, they they're a person in need. I mean, you have people putting their lives on the line. People, you know, uh, like the guy who died, uh, who got stabbed and died, and the other one who also was injured, um, defending the uh, Muslim woman on the train, you know, like there are people all around the society who are being more visible and more willing to be allies. And I think that's huge. You're right. And that's why I say this year's, I mean, not all bad. It's not that's, all bad. That's what I'm saying. You 98% know, I mean, bad. You look at, look at the fact that we have a transgendered woman who's a politician, who's out transgendered elected in Virginia of all places that's a big deal it's not that big of a deal it is a big deal virginia is a a purple state it doesn't matter it doesn't matter matter. do you do you think and oh no i'm sorry the fact that there's still like even on on the left people are still like on the kind of not necessarily on the right side of history when it comes to transgender and lgbt lgbtq you know, communities and everything that affects them. I mean, there's still Obama just, what, the same year that, or the year before uh, marriage equality became the the law of the land, came out in support of uh, same-sex marriage, you know? I mean, just look how far we've come in so far, so little time with with things like that, you know? Um, you see people i don't know i'm just sorry i just i, I know i'm going on a bandwagon and, and we got other things to discuss but I, I really don't think that that the year is as bad as 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 you're purported to be is it bad yes i mean when you have mar- nazis marching in the street then you know what things are things are fucked but i think what we're seeing is the last 
death kill of a lot of this this racism stuff because just look at the fact that Bannon and Breitbart and all those people when we thought they were just gonna run amok this year you know we thought that they were going to um just kick everybody out of out of the uh GOP and it was gonna be their party and look at them now you know so things are bad but I don't I think that they're not as bad as 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 they could be or necessarily as not as bad as as you're really making it out to be i don't know that's just that's just my two cents that's where i'm coming at it you're wrong but it's it's, it's nice that you're looking for the the little small bit of light inside of the black hole i'll give you a little bit of credit for I'm that say, okay okay we'll see <laughs> 2018 is gonna come around and, and and we'll see which one of us is right it's still not gonna be right listen even if listen again there have been positive things that happened the special uh elections the democrats went five to one for what that matters we'll see if they actually do shit when they get into office odds are low on that um yeah there are some good things that happen but again like there's a mountain of, of of worse shit that happened, and just because that worse shit might cause good things in the future because of the bad things, it doesn't make this year, 2017, any better. It just means that from the ashes something grew. Mm-hmm. Like I said, we'll see. Uh, anyway, let's move on because I think uh, I think it's time to talk about the ass hat of the year and the hero of the year. Yes. The nominees are. I agree. It's time to crown some champions. Um, and we're going to start with the ass head of the year. It's what we've been starting with all year. Um, Reg, who are some of your the standouts for ass head of the year that really stood out to you? Well, I think if if we're all being honest, the ass head of the year is going to be the guy that uh, didn't get time of the year. I mean, Trump, I think that's low-hanging fruit. So, Let's say, of course, he's king ass out of the year. But let's talk about other people, you know, um, real, not not real people, but you know, other unsung heroes of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I gotta go with um, for one, Trump voters. You know, and, and the reason I, I'm picking them is not because you know I feel like hey, it's because of them that we got here. It, it's not necessarily that, but it, it's the fact that even with everything that has happened i find it mind-blowing that they would stick with him one two the fact that they are so ardent in in sticking with him when they're the ones who are going to get hurt the worst you know like we've seen that time and time again with every piece of legislation the people who are getting hurt the worst are the trump voters and they're the ones who just will stay with him through thick and thin and and it's just like I don't know. I find it frustrating that there are people that just won't see the light. <laughs> um, I got to say, I would put an asterisk on Trump voters, uh, and the asterisk would read in fine print, uh, this does not apply to uber-rich assholes because, who only love money. Because if you're one of those dudes, Trump is your fucking dude. He is a guy who cares about money first, cares about the wealthy, basically looks down and spits upon regular people. So... He's the guy you're like, I don't know if he'll ever make it in the office, but if he does, we're going to fucking we're going to get rich off of this because this guy can be taken advantage of. But if you're a poor, white, middle class, white, evangelical voter, 
if you're a minority, I don't know what the fuck you're doing. Again, unless you're stupid rich, I don't know what the fuck you're doing voting for Trump. Some of my favorite people, the people who got deported, who, like, you know, or were married to people who got deported or had people in their family but voted for Trump. Like, you guys are idiots. You get to see what happens when you vote for that, and he does exactly what he said he would do. I think, you know what, you, now that you're talking about it, that's one of the big things about this year, like, short and Florida, seeing all these people who are like, oh, so I, I voted for, like, that guy who got kicked out of the country, and everybody in his town, like, he's one of the good ones, he's one of the good ones, and it's just like, you know, it's just one of those things where everybody, I don't know, people just have this this idea that it's it's somebody else, it's it's never us you know like mm-hmm. you just don't understand that you're somebody else's illegal alien for lack of a a better phrase you know oh a hundred percent also my favorite one though is uh the lady who found out that her land will become mexico <laughs> love that shit yeah um but yeah so like those are the people i think who are the worst of the trump voters especially the evangelical christians like you better hope you don't. There isn't a hell because some of you guys just betrayed everything you supposedly believed in to vote for misogynist, racist guy who's not even Christian who knows nothing about the Bible. It's one of those things that you're like, yeah, you guys well deserve the asshat of the year nomination. Yeah, so I, I also put up there, you know, like we said, the GOP just because they're willing to to deal with whatever bull crap comes uh, Trump dishes out just so that they can stay in office and stay in power. And like, you know, that's just, there was a time when, you know, when Richard Nixon went and uh, did what he did and, and, you know, all know that, but the Republican party chose country over party. And it's just, I I heard one analyst say uh, this year, he's like, if Fox news was around, when Richard Nixon was president, he would have survived Watergate. And that's as true that is. It's also depressing to think that, you know, it doesn't, that we've come so far that people are willing to just throw away whatever just for the sake of power. I don't know. So, yep. Yep. That's the reason why, um, along the lines of the GOP, I, uh, I specifically pointed out the congressional Republicans mm-hmm. who were willing to harm the public that they're supposed to work for whether it was yep whether it was the tax cuts whether it was the fact that they got rid of the clean drinking water act and the clean air act the fact that they refused to sign on to the paris agreement we're the only country in the world that has not syria signed on to it you guys syria um the fact that we're trying to pull out of the iran um uh agreement it's just like Congressional Republicans were so willing to do everything to, as long as it benefited their donors or their own pockets. But they're not the only people, Rich. One person who stuck out for me, um, who had to make my list, you know, you said John McCain, he's on my list, um, the fake maverick. But one person on my list, Brianna Brochu. Now, I'm I'm sure you remember Fianna, uh, Brianna. Uh, Brianna is the girl from uh, the school in Connecticut. Uh, the school in Connecticut who basically sickened her roommate, her African or African American roommate, who she called Jamaican Barbie, um, through various disgusting measures, including one of the worst ones. I'm sure you remember what it was. She stuck. Of, oh God, Lord. It, it, 
This chick went and put her toothbrush up her own butt. Who does that? I've never hated somebody that much that I would take their toothbrush and put it up my butt just to, so that they could brush their teeth with my ass. You know, it's just that's that's a special kind of. The thing about it for me is, and we I, I think we mentioned this. Why not just like put it in the toilet or clean it? Uh, anything like you can even just fart on it. You know? Yeah. The idea that you were going to put a toothbrush in your butt. Think about this. I can't stand Donald Trump. I can't stand a shit ton of the congressional Republicans. I don't hate them enough (laughs) to put a toothbrush inside of my own asshole. Even if I got to watch them brush it in front of me on national television. I'd be be like, yeah, yeah, I'd love to see them fucking brush their teeth with shit. It's got to be my shit. I gotta put the toothbrush in my own butt. No, you, thank you. You wouldn't do that for Mitch McConnell. <laughs> I want it, and that's the thing. Yeah, I want it. I want to do that for Dick Cheney, and fuck that guy. I want to kick him in the nuts. Mm-hmm. The amount of, mm, I, no, I honestly think that she's got to get the ass hat of the year. Really? But, I mean, that, that's a special kind of hate. That's a it special is kind of disgusting. It is. It. You know, I really feel like she went above and beyond. Everyone else were. You know, they were they were long jumping. She was triple jumping. She's like, yo, I'm going to run, I'm going to skip, I'm going to hop, and then jump. So, yeah. Brianna Brochu, congratulations. The first as The first ever brother, brother, ass of the year. <laughs> Your award's in the mail. <laughs> yeah, it's in the mail. It is in the mail. Now, before we go, let's talk about Heroes of the Year. Um, because there are a lot. Uh, you have the Resistors, the our Resistance, uh, the Women's March. The, the Me Too uh, campaign. Um, I've uh, I had Tamimi. I'm sorry because I fucked that. I fucked all over that name. But she's the uh, Palestinian um, champion that that you've seen lately in the news. Who um, I think she was arrested for hitting a soldier who was assaulting somebody who's out there protesting with her. You know, I mean, and and really when you think about like. We talk about feminism in America, and it's in, in, in uh, not just feminism, but um, resistance and protests in America. And it's like, and America is so fucking safe, our protesting. But then you see, like, really put, you know, your body on the line and your livelihood and all that. It's it's a different kind of uh, activism that we see around the world. And, and I think, you know, she, in my opinion, that's right up there, like, I don't even know if that if there's any you know if, if there's any point in talking about other people, but I mean I, I do want to talk about a few uh, Jamil Hill, uh, the the uh, Colin Kaepernick, you know, and all the uh, people in the NFL who uh, took a knee, you know, even at at cost to themselves. I mean, who in the NFL you know got it worse than Colin? So got to give him props for that. Exactly. There's just so many people who have who are deserving Hero of the Year uh, nominees. Uh, the giver of relief, uh, givers of relief, uh, you know, first responders who were on the ground um, fighting fires over days and days, evacuating people, um, people who were in Houston, the tons of people who took their boats, their trucks, used their own money for gas to bring food, to bring grills, to get into the water during and after the storms in Houston and Louisiana and in Florida, pulling people out of these areas. Um, the uh, God, I wish I could remember his name. The guy who owns the 
um, furniture store in Houston who basically opened up his stores and, you know, said, drop people off here. We have beds here. We have couches here. We have air matches. We have floor space. You know, we're dry. We're open. If you have food, come here. Come cook with us. You know, that, that guy, that guy since then who like opened up all his stores for those people since then he has been giving away ten thousand dollars worth of furniture a week hmm. a week he picks a family um a lot of them he tries to get the guys who volunteered who helped to you know were out uh who were out you know helping people in the storm and he gives them an entire house set you know that that's that stuff is amazing and the those are the stories that you know It'd be nice if our news focused on them more. Maybe we need to be the change we want to see in the world. Thank you, Gandhi. Um, and we need to highlight some more of those rays of, of hope and, and rays of change. So, yeah, there are a lot of heroes. And I also want to point year. out to one of the heroes that we did lose this year, uh, Erica Garner, uh, the daughter of um, Eric Garner, who was killed um by police and you know she could have just been one of the people who decided to do nothing or you know there's a lot that she could have done like she could have just sat there and complained but she you know she took this horrible incident that happened to her family and she did something positive with it by trying to you know be by being an activist and coming out and 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 talking about it and trying to get change within the community and within society and it's a shame that um she was lost this year but i think it's it's really important to point out that you know point to what she did because it's important what she did agreed so i guess my nominee would be the resistors but you know just to encompass the idea of people who fought back uh but if i had to pick one individual person um i'm all right with a head with a head tamimi um, I think she shows what it really truly means to resist, to fight for what you believe in, and to stand against the most insurmountable odds. You know, um, Time gave their magazine, Time magazine gave their Person of the Year to a group, uh, and they gave it to you know the Me Too movement and the Me Too resistors. I'm gonna do something similar. I think um, my Hero of the Year. Personally, I would have to give it to, um, and, and this is just a, a national, uh, American thing, but black women in general, because, you know, I think a lot of people don't realize just how much, you know, when you talk about resistance and talk about, about all the, that stuff, and we're, we're talking about, you know, saving the Republic, and we talk about things like that, black women have done a lot to, uh, uh, carry that burden, not carry that burden or shoulder that burden, but they've done a lot to to get us to where you know we're, we're trying to go. Um, just look at the fact that Roy Moore, he lost. In in it, it's fair to say that he lost because of, of black women, because mm-hmm. they, they motivated people, they got people together to to get things done. And if it hadn't been for you know a lot of the heavy lifting that they did, um, then Roy Morg probably would have won. Uh, that's not a hyperbolic thing to say. It's just, you know, uh, then you look at the Me Too movement. A lot of people don't know that the Me Too movement was started by a black woman. And, and it was popular. It started, I, I want to say, in 2016, but it didn't gain traction until this year. 
um, but it was started by a black woman, Black Lives Matter movement, black women there, you know, and like black women are doing a lot of heavy lifting for for the country in, in terms of moving us forward. And I just don't, they don't get enough credit for that. And I, so for me, the hero of the year, that's, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to, you know, all those women who are out there doing things, you know, to, to keep the dream alive. Here, here. I second that emotion. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think that's going to be it for our, our gear wrap up. Uh, whoa, 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 oh. whoa, whoa. I got one more thing before we go. Okay. Because uh, I do want again to just, I sort of agree with Reg at the end in the sense that if we want 2018 to be something positive. We need to, like I said earlier, quoting Gandhi, be the change we want to be in the world. So we need to highlight more positive things. We need to be more united. We need to be nicer to each other um, as much as you can. You know, don't have to worry about being nice to Nazis. Punch them in the face. Um, but I just wanted to sort of send a message of positivity out there as we move into 2018. We're excited about where this podcast is going. We're excited about where our personal lives are going. And we hope that 2018 is as positive for you guys as you hope it will be for us. Um, so as we leave, also, I just wanted to give a couple of shout-outs um, and some couple suggestions. Uh, if you're a true crime fan, go check out Sword and, Sword and Scale. If you're a podcast fan, especially a podcast that's interested in a diverse uh, array of, of views and a unique opinion, check out Ethically Ambiguous. And if you are looking forward to movies this year, there are tons and tons of minority movies coming out. Go see Black Panther. Go see Black Panther. Go see Black Panther. That's not the only one. It's the most important one. Go see Black Panther. <laughs> and that's it from me. Uh, also, uh, one last thing before we do go. We have a website now, you guys. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, uh, if you how am I forgetting that? Right. So, like, I think this is the last time you'll see um, the Brother to Brother podcast in the In My Humble Opinion feed or Tuppy's World feed. If you want to follow us from, from here on out, go to www.bro2bropodcast.com, and that's bro, the number two bro podcast.com. I think we're probably in uh, uh, iTunes by now uh, under Bro to Bro, so you can follow us there. Uh, subscribe there if you want. Subscribe, rate, review. Yeah. Five stars. I, I've got to put the RSS feed on the website now now that I'm looking at it. But by the time you hear this, you'll see the RSS feed will be there. Yep. So that, uh, you know, a simple share button. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I think that's going to do it for us, for the Brother to Brother podcast. And as always, we want to leave you with this. We want you to speak your truth, tell your story. And stay woke. All you folks. You can find John at Tempe WMF on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find his other stuff at Tempe'sWorld.com. And you can find Reggie at Hedonis, that's H-I-D-D-A-N-A-S. He co-hosts In My Humble Opinion and the Cinema Chat Podcast.